Last week we shared the first two of our four core values here at Everyone Church. We like to share these at least once a year, so we thought we'd take these couple of weeks to share around those. You know, when we started Everyone Church, Maria and I prayerfully uh, jotted down four core values that would kind of serve as foundations and boundary lines for us as a new church. Uh, and they've really helped us really along this whole church planning journey. They are, we follow Jesus, we lean into faith friendships, we engage in discipleship and we live mission-minded. And in those four core values, we kind of see four quadrants of focus for us as a church. Uh, you know, you think about when we follow Jesus, we're obviously talking about Jesus. <laughs> it's all about him, amen? Uh, and then we lean into faith friendships. That's about community. So we've got Jesus and community. Now, engaging in discipleship is about discipleship and spiritual maturity, growing in him, right? So we've got Jesus community, growth, discipleship, spiritual maturity, and then living mission-minded is about mission. So if you love Jesus, community, like good godly community, uh, if you love discipleship and growing spiritually and mission, you're probably going to like everyone church, just being honest. <laughs> and uh, and it, hopefully this is something that we can unite around. And look, we're not necessarily talking about our core doctrines or beliefs, although you'll find a lot of them in our, our core values. But what we are talking about is what we value around here, what we hold in high regard, what's important to us as a church community. And uh, and we really want to get behind all of these values. You know, you think about how although the church belongs to Jesus and has had foundational beliefs that have been around for literally thousands of years, uh, within that, there are local churches. And, and each local church has its unique DNA. It's where the big church becomes the local church. And we are a local church. We're a faith community that exists within a context, exists within a community. So we're talking about what do we value. And last week we shared about the first two. And they are we follow Jesus. We follow him. We pursue him. And we lean in to faith friendships. We look to do life with friends. We love one another. We, our posture is lean in, not walls up or lean out or, oh, I'm just going to show up to church once every four months and high five you in the foyer and that's my church. No, no, no. We, we look to do life with friends. Amen? Now, our next core value is we engage in discipleship. We dive into the intentional journey towards spiritual maturity. Our goal is to grow. Now, just a couple of notes on this. What do we mean by discipleship? Because that word is, is actually never in the New Testament, which is okay, because neither is the word like Trinity, for example. But uh, when we say uh, discipleship in church life, uh, it can mean a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, for example, you can have a discipleship group, or it, you could use it to describe a mentoring relationship. This person's discipling me. But for us, for the sake of unity and clarity, uh, at Everyone Church, when we say discipleship, we're talking about the pursuit of spiritual maturity. My pursuit of spiritual maturity, your pursuit of spiritual maturity, not someone else's pursuit on your behalf. No, I'm talking to you. Yes, you. I'm looking into this camera, looking right at you. Uh, there, there is no church program or, uh, or strategy that can force you to mature. You need to decide to start the journey of being a disciple of Jesus. 
the journey toward spiritual maturity. Now, what is spiritual maturity? Well, when we accept Jesus into our lives and he does the miraculous work of forgiveness and we're born again, we become a new person, we begin the journey of becoming more like him, more like Jesus, Christian. It's like a mini Christ, Christian, right? And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When you belong to him, do you belong to him today? Uh, There is a beginning. A new life has begun. But then there's also an end. There's an end in sight. And that end is to become more like Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And that Greek word for the way that that is translated from is the word horos, which means a travel way and road, a course of conduct, but also it's a way or manner of thinking, feeling, and deciding. So Jesus isn't just the way to heaven. He's also saying he's the way, the horos, he's the way to live on earth. What is discipleship? What is the way of Jesus? What is the lifestyle of Jesus? Because this is what he's talking about, the lifestyle. It's the journey of learning to think, feel, and decide the way Jesus would have you. It's learning to think, feel, and act as a Christian, as Christ would. Not according to your heritage or, or, or your, 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 you know, your family patterns or, no, 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 or your current culture. No, it's a learning to think, feel, and act as Jesus would. The end goal is that I would have Jesus in everything. Jesus in my feelings and actions. Jesus in my responses, my motivations, my intentions. Jesus in my marriage. Jesus in my parenting. Jesus being glorified in every area of my life. Jesus as I'm working. Jesus says, I'm resting. Come on, people. Now, discipleship is about laying down my ways for his ways. You know, there's a lot of modern Christianity that's like, how much of my ways can I keep but still be a Christian? (laughs) How worldly can I look but still be? No, no, no. This is not what discipleship is about. Discipleship is about laying down my ways and taking up his ways, taking up my cross for him. And there's so much we could say about spiritual maturity, about growing in Jesus, and we have preached about it, and we will continue to preach about it and teach about it and discipleship. But I hope you catch it that the end goal here is to be like Jesus, to grow in him. But how do we engage in discipleship? What does this look like in real time? You know, at my house, in my garage, which is actually just behind this wall here, because we're filming this in our spare room at home, but I have a bunch of tools Uh, Most of which I don't use very often, but I have an epic Makita drill. Look out that the batteries are so dead now. I have to like keep charging two different batteries at all times because they're just, I needed to get a new battery. I've got, I've got a whippersnipper. I've got a lawnmower. Oh, look out, mate. Look, I've even got an industrial meat slicer that I inherited off my grandfather. Uh, I use it to chop up salami sometimes, which is awesome. But uh, I have all these tools, right? But if I ever have a real complex problem around the house that, that I need fixed, I'm not just talking about hanging a picture, but like something that's a little bit more complicated. The first thing I do is I call my dad because he was a builder for many years. But also I'll call a tradie, somebody who can come in. You have tools and you have tradies. And I think in our Christian life, uh, we have many tools like the Bible. Well, the Bible isn't just a tool. It's also our very 
uh, you know, life source in many ways. Uh, but we have we have church, we have podcasts, worship music, books and teachings. Um, we have all these types of tools, and we're so resourced in many ways in the modern church. But how is it that we could have all the tools in the world, but still have so many people who are underdeveloped or even malformed spiritually in their doctrine and their core beliefs? Because it's in my experience, and also I believe it's a scriptural pattern, that it's not just about the tools we use, but it's about the tradies we call upon. So how do we engage in discipleship? What does this look like in my life? Well, in truth, the, the question, what does discipleship look like, is probably not the best question to ask. The better question is, who does this look like in my life? Who? Who is helping me grow? God uses people to help me mature. God uses the people around me to help achieve his purposes within me. You know, we have so much resource but not enough of the right relationships. We have so many tools in the house, not enough tradies, right? Let me show you this in scripture. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It says that these are the gifts. These are the gifts. And this is the goal. The gifts, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the goal is to be mature and, and be united in Christ-likeness. This is what it's saying. But remember, these gifts aren't just gifts floating about. They're people. They're people. God puts gifts in people. He's put gifts in you and gifts in me. God has put people in my life to help me mature, to help me grow in unity. Discipleship is about the ones who don't know seeking out the ones who do know. It's about the one who doesn't understand the Bible, seeking out the one who does. It's about the one who doesn't understand uh, how to pray, seeking out the one who does. It's about the one who doesn't know how to worship, seeking out the people who do. It's about the one who doesn't know how to tell others about Jesus, seeking out the people who do. Remember, Christianity is communal. We talked about this last week with our faith, friendships, values. So, you know, you think about tools and tradies. You have gifts and people heading towards the goal of spiritual maturity. I kind of see it like a rugby scrum. You know, when we join together shoulder to shoulder and we line up and we engage in the push toward 
victory, the, the push toward spiritual maturity. Discipleship is about the push toward spiritual maturity. It takes discipline. It takes work and it takes the help of others doing it together. That's why at Everyone Church, we engage in discipleship. And most importantly, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, the Great Commission, he, he says this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He noticed he says, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make church attenders, go and make Instagram followers. No, he says, go and make disciples. And the biggest reason why we value engaging in discipleship at Everyone Church is because Jesus told us to. <laughs> Jesus told us to make disciples. And a quick challenge to, the, to those of you who are mature, you've been following the Lord for a while, or you would consider yourself to be a real disciple of Christ Allow yourself to be part of the journey of making disciples. Allow God to make use of you. Just like we read in Ephesians before, those people who have gifts helping, the, doing their own special work to help the body grow and be united together. You know, discipleship, as we just mentioned, is about the ones who do know, helping the ones who don't know. And if you are someone who does know, are you available? In many ways, your greatest disciple making ability is your availability. It's just interesting to me how the mature people in church world are the ones who skip out on things. Oh, I don't need this. I'm mature. I don't need that, right? Well, don't confuse familiarity with maturity. Just because you know all the back streets on your drive to church doesn't mean you're a mature Christian, right? You might not need to be there for you. You might feel like I can skip a sermon this week, but guess what? Other people need you. God wants to make use of you to help others in your world. Amen. And the pinnacle of maturity really is the ability to serve others, to know that my life is not just for me, to be part of making disciples, which brings us, brings us to our last core value. And by no means is this the least important. This is a very important one, and that is at Everyone Church, we live mission-minded. We live on mission. Our purpose is to bring Jesus to everyone, everywhere. And this is the whole reason why our church exists, is, you know, Maria and I had a sense of mission. You know, we, we seek to live mission-minded. And now I'm not just talking about our mind and our thinking, it really starts in the heart. If God's mission lives in my heart, it will be on my mind. And if God's mission is never on my mind, then it obviously is not alive in my heart. My heart, in a biblical sense, is my spiritual and psychological engine room. It's, it holds my deepest motivations and secrets. It's the very basis for my character, including my mind and will. You know, this, this terminology, heart, is all throughout the scriptures and it's all encompassing in many ways. So you, you see, when we're a follower of Jesus, which is our first value, and we're a real disciple of him, which is our third value, uh, what's important to him becomes important to me, right? And you know what's important to Jesus? People, others, God's mission. We want to be a church that is filled with people who live 
mission-minded. We are a mission-minded church. It's kind of like, I picture it like, you know, when you tune the old radios, I'm not sure that many of us, you know, we just listen to podcasts and, and you know, Spotify now, but, you know, you're tuning the radio and you're, you're, you're battling through the static, right? To find the right frequency to hear the radio station, whether that's like, you know, classic hits, 101.7, whether it's 103.2 if you're really Christian, or whether it's Triple M. Come on, people. Now, this is the thing. I see this as a picture of us in, in, our, in our Christian life. We need to tune our hearts to see what he sees, to hear what he hears, to love what he loves. It's up to us to, with the help of the Holy Spirit and with the help of each other, encouraging one another to eliminate the static from our lives and hear his heartbeat for humanity. And that is souls. That is people. That is younger people, older people, individuals, groups of people, children, young professionals, families, our neighbors, our enemies, our co-workers, that annoying boss at work, the poor, people locally and beyond, everyone, everywhere. We live mission-minded. Jesus lived mission-minded. He said in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. He had a seeking heart. Jesus knew his mission and purpose on the earth. And he mentioned it many times. I love this one in Luke chapter five. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus knew his mission, people, people, for people to know him and to be made right with God and have a relationship with him. Not only does he invite us to follow him, he also invites us to join in on his mission in the earth. Have you joined him on his mission? His mission of seeking and saving the lost. His mission of making disciples. Is his mission on your mind? Does it live in your heart? You know, Jesus taught his disciples what living on mission looks like. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. This little light of mine, I'm gonna, you know, you know the song. Let your good deeds point people towards our good God. Do your good deeds speak volumes or whispers? Do they point people toward Jesus or do they just confuse them? Oh, you say you're a Christian, but come on. We got to live mission-minded. We're called to be salt and light, to be an effective, living on mission Christian. There needs to be a difference between how we live and how the world lives. There needs to, we need to be salt and light, not hiding our faith. No, living mission-minded. Okay, I'm talking about having an awareness that, hey, I'm on mission today. Uh, having a mindset that I've been saved for more than just my own salvation. That when I wake up each day, I partner with God on his mission in the earth. When I go shopping, when I go to work, when I study, when I drop the kids off, when I'm stuck in traffic, I'm on mission locally and globally. And this is why our church is heavily invested in missions. 
in giving to the poor, helping the poor, both locally and beyond. You know, before we had even had one in-person service, literally like I'm meeting people on like uh, FaceTime kind of apps during lockdown, COVID lockdown, people I'd never even met in person before. Our church built three homes for widows in Burundi. And I don't say that to brag on us. I'm just saying to show you that this is something we have valued right from the outset. It's in our DNA to live mission-minded, to hold in high regard what Jesus holds in high regard, and that is others, that is people. You know, even our kids' church this year has set a goal to build a home for a widow. A bunch of kids selling cakes to build a home for a widow. We live mission-minded, and we do much more than that. We do heart surgeries for children in Vietnam and, and, and health screenings for them as well. We, we do uh, eye surgeries for the poor in India. Uh, we do outreach materials for indigenous Australians. And even locally, we've given away well over 100 food boxes to local families in need, particularly around Christmas time. Come on, this is what we're about. We live mission-minded. We seek to value what Jesus values, and that is people, people. I'm so happy that Jesus valued me and valued you enough to give his life for us. Amen. Amen. We have a mission focus. And can I just say as well, having a mission focus, having a focus on others, it saves me from a self-focused, miserable life. Come on, Jesus said those who, who seek to keep their life will lose it, but those who lay down their life will gain it. Come on, this is what Jesus was about, man. He, he, valued, he, he lived mission-minded, don't you worry. And if he was willing to give his all for me, I am willing to give my all for him. One final story as I close. Uh, I love the story of C.T. Studd, Charles Thomas Studd. He lived in the 19th century. He was one of, if not the most distinguished athlete in all of England during his younger days in particular. He was a famous cricket player, kind of like the, the Michael Jordan of his day. And he actually played in the first Ashes Test in 1882, um, which England lost, but you know, yeah, go Australia. And he came from a very rich family. Uh, his, his father had a huge business, um, uh, wealthy business, and he sent... Uh, he sent C.T. Studd to Cambridge, which at the time was where all the brightest minds would come together and, and be educated. And he, and he really excelled there. And while he was in Cam Cambridge, the plan was for him to return to his father and inherit his business fortune and, and move the business forward. But while he was in Cambridge, he became a Christian. He heard about Jesus and he was radically transformed. He became a new person. And he began to have this sense of calling to the mission field, uh, to, to move away from his father's vast estate and to go to the other side of the world, to China of all places. And now this is before airplanes. Uh, this was, would have been a different hard journey, right? And, but he went with six other friends from Cambridge who would later be known as the Cambridge Seven. You can look it up. And, you know, when they went to Cambridge, they would dress up in their suits. And, you know, this is kind of upper class people. You know, they would look all formal and, 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 and educated and all this kind of stuff. Well, the Cambridge Seven decided that they would, to, in order to blend in with the local Chinese people, they would dress in traditional Chinese garb to help 
reach these people who had never heard about Jesus. And while he was there in China on mission, his father passed away and he returned home to inherit his father's fortune. And in one day, he gave away 90% of it and went back to China on mission. He gave a large portion of it to uh, evangelist D.L. Moody, who was key in helping him uh, know about the Lord. And he went back to China on mission. And that later on in his life, he would go to South Africa and he'd meet his wife there. And when he got married to his wife, uh, he gave the remaining 10% of his fortune, his inheritance, to his wife as a wedding gift. And then she gave it to missions. <laughs> so all this fortune... All this uh, 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 privilege, he laid it down. He gave it away for the sake of mission. And people thought this guy was crazy. They, they would say things like, why have you done this? You could have had it all, mate. You could, have, you, could have, you could have lived in luxury. And he said these famous words. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to make for him. Are you living mission minded today? Is his mission on your mind and in your heart? At Everyone Church, we follow Jesus. We lean into faith friendships. We engage in discipleship and we live mission minded. Amen. Amen. Can I pray as we close today? Lord, we come before you and we just dedicate ourselves afresh to be disciples of you, but also to live with your mission in our heart. Lord, help us see what you see. Help us hear what you hear. Help us look at our city when we're, when we're at the shops, wherever we are. Help us look with fresh eyes. Help us eliminate the static of our own selfishness. Lord, and help us take up your cause in our life. And Lord, we pray that our church, that everyone church and every individual in it would live on mission, that we would know we are partnering with you for the greatest purpose on the earth, and that is to seek and save those who don't know God. In Jesus' name, amen. And we do it all for his glory, right? It's not so we can look cool and people can tell stories about us. No, it's for him. Amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed sharing through our values and, uh, and it's a great opportunity to share these around with friends who might be interested in joining Everyone Church. And hey, I hope you have an amazing week and we're looking forward to gathering in person more and more. Hope you can join us. Have an amazing, amazing week.